Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. No, don't get off skill on me. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the world we live in just for a moment. And <clears throat> one of the things I was thinking about this week was the world that these all these babies were talking about here, the world they're going to grow up in versus the world that we know. And every generation sees the world a little different. Um, in other words, a lot of younger people here don't see the world the way I see it, which is good. That's the way God designed it to be. Um, but these babies are going to grow up in a different culture uh, than, than we could really imagine. And some of the things that are facing us right now, you know, the Bible speaks about in, in the book of Esther for such a time as this, that God's raised us up into the kingdom. But here are some things that, that we're facing, not only uh, as Americans, but the world is really facing these things, uh, is, is uh, violent weather trends. Violent weather trends are becoming more and more, as, as we well know, Katrina was a wake-up call. Um, terrorism, of course. Now, I'm, this is stuff on the news. There's nothing revelational about this, but terrorism, both at home and all over the world. That's becoming the preferred method of warfare uh, by violent people. Um, there's this uh, a couple crazy people in the world who have nuclear capabilities. One of them would be the, the president of North Korea. And they actually have uh, technology and rockets to deliver a rocket with a warhead on it to the United States. To, to continental United States. They have that, that technology currently uh, in pretty advanced stages of development. Uh, the other one, of course, is Iran. Um, Iran, they are saying, actually helped the Hezbollah uh, fire that missile into that Israeli ship. The Hezbollah didn't have the ability to do that on their own, but well, Iran has a lot of technology. Uh, that's, those are pretty scary thoughts. We have an energy crisis in America. We have a very, a very real energy crisis. In other words, our economy is based on oil. Well, most people don't really understand that, except people with economic brains. You take the oil away, and we have no economy. And right now, America is dependent on some of our enemies, uh, such as the South American, was it Venezuela? The, he's, a, he's a dictator who has a large amount of oil. Uh, of course, Iran is the fourth largest producer of oil in the world. That's Iran. Um, Russia, which, you know, we have sort of a tenuous relationship with Russia, former Soviet Union uh, stronghold. They have a lot of oil. See, these, these are not friendly people. These are not democratic-friendly people. And we're dependent on people like that. Uh, we're dependent on Islamic nations to provide us oil that runs the, our engine of our economy. That's, that's a pretty scary thought. Uh, bird flu. Bird flu has not gone away yet. It's a real threat. Uh, there's a man recently died who was diagnosed in Indonesia uh, who had bird flu. They diagnosed it. That's what they're saying. And so they, you know, we didn't have it this year, but they are, many of these scientists are saying not if, but when bird flu actually mutates and comes to America. So those are, those are real threats. And right now, of course, we have this, this war uh, I was watching uh, Fox News this morning. Of course, this is the news. They sensationalized. But they were talking about, they asked a, a retired general, could this escalate into World War III? That was the question they was asking, asking this general 
this, this situation that's developing over in uh, Israel. And so, you see, we are really faced with some very serious things. And God has called us to live in this world today. But we're raising our babies. Maybe I'm just a sentimental granddaddy, you know. But I'm thinking about my grandchild's future. What world is she going to live in? So we had to ask the question, what does the Bible tell us? How are we supposed to respond in this world that's full of these fearful things? Well, the first thing is prayer. Okay, so I want to just take a moment here, and I'm going to pray, okay, about our world conditions. Father, right now we are here, and these are things that are, are completely out of our control. And uh, we want to first of all pray for President Bush, uh, Lord, and ask you to give him wisdom uh, and give him a, a repentant, humble heart. I pray, Lord, that his heart would be soft. I pray that he would be in a place where he could hear you and he would cry out to you. I pray you would deliver him from evil men who have intentions that are not according to what your will would be in the earth. I pray you would surround him with godly advisors that are humble and that really love you and care more about your kingdom than they care about the United States. I pray you'd put that in, in our leaders' hearts, Lord. And Father, today we want to pray for Israel also. As you, as you ask us, you told us in your word to pray for the peace of Israel. And Lord, we are asking you today that somehow you, uh, you would bring peace into that place. The Prince of Peace would come, Lord, beyond anything else, beyond a ceasefire of weapons. We pray that the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus himself, would be revealed to the nation of Israel and that Israel would come into salvation that the Jewish nation of Israel, not only in the physical land of Israel that are spread out all over the earth, Lord, there'd be a revival amongst the Jewish people. We're asking you that today. But Lord, we do pray against terrorism. We pray against that Islamic spirit today that is anti-Holy Spirit, as anti-Christ spirit. And we ask you to deliver us from these things. Deliver us from these weather patterns. Deliver us from disease. Let our homes be protected from bird flu and all these other outrageous diseases and outrageous weather patterns. And Lord, we pray and ask you today, even as it has been prophesied, that there would be a breakthrough in the, in the area of energy. That a new energy would be developed, Lord. And we pray for that. We pray you would give us that in Jesus' name. Amen. Actually, a lot of people, a man prophesied the capture of Saddam Hussein, a man named Kim Clement, uh, back in 2005. And in that same prophecy, he prophesied about a breakthrough in energy, a new, a new source of energy that would be de discovered and, and developed by American scientists. And I don't remember the exact uh, details of it, but he did say it's right under our feet. And he sort of, sort of indicated something about insects, which all that sounds crazy, but. You know, in this prophecy that came true, he prophesied that Saddam Hussein would be captured in a hole. I mean, it's a very clear word from the Lord. Uh, and in that same word, he's talking about an energy breakthrough. And, we, and this nation really needs an energy breakthrough. Uh, you know, the world needs an energy breakthrough. The world does. So, But those are things that we're facing. Okay, as believers, we are facing this world. And I believe, you know, that the prayer is always something we should do. But I want to... I want to talk to you about something else this morning that I believe God has called us to and that I believe the church has to wake up to this call, okay? I believe this is really something, this is something God has really been speaking into my heart. And if you remember last week, I shared a message with you about finding yourself in the Bible. 
And, find, and actually what I gave you was a scripture where Paul talked about Christ being revealed in him. Okay? And that he might preach the unsearchable riches of, of Christ. Uh, so I want to tell you, this is where this thing is, where I believe God wants to take us to. And I want, what I'm going to tell you this morning is I believe I can say without, without uh, excuses, this is God's Word for you today. This is God's Word for everybody in this room. If you are a believer in Christ, you've accepted Christ, this is a Word for you, and it has always been a Word for us. We've always had this Word. But I believe it's a Word that we have distorted and we've ignored. Okay, in some way. So let me, let's just read this. What I'm going to read to you is the Great Commission from the Gospel of Mark. Okay, the Great Commission from the Gospel of Mark. So look, uh, Drew, put that up there, Mark. Let's, it's Mark 16, starting in verse 14. It says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had, had seen him after he had risen. So I think that's the first thing the Lord wants to... I think the Lord has a rebuke for us. He has an admonishment for us. He wants to talk to us about our condition of our hearts. I believe the church's heart has gotten hard. Okay? And we have fallen into unbelief. We, have, we are not believing the Bible. Remember I talked to you last week about, a, about the centurion who simply said, just send your word. He said, send your logos. Don't send your... Send your logos and my servant will be healed. And see, we, we hear... And Jesus marveled at this man. said, this man's got more faith than anybody I've ever seen. Because he was saying, you don't even have to speak a special word. You just speak your written word and my servant will be healed. There's such a power in it. And this man understood the power and authority of the Bible. Well, here's Jesus saying, He wants to admonish us that we're not believing the Bible. We're not listening to the Bible. And this is one of the things that He's saying. This is one of the things we're not doing. He's saying, this is what you've got to do. And He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, that's just the, the facts of life. And you know, So we, we, hold, we hold power over people's salvation. We do. You and I do. Christ in us. And these signs will follow those who believe. This is what Jesus promised. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And the Bible clearly, in the book of Acts, gives us many examples of that very thing Jesus said. Those things happen in the Bible after he said, this is what's going to happen. And they happen. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And of course, you know what happened when he did that. He poured out the Holy Spirit to empower us. And it says, and they went out and preached everywhere. Everywhere. Now, I want you to get that where everybody say everywhere. everywhere. Everywhere they went. The Lord working with them. He promised us He would work with us. He promised us He would be with us. We've got to believe that. And confirming the Word through the accompanying signs, Amen. See, God has promised us something. He has promised us if we will go and preach the gospel message, He will back it up with the supernatural. Now, that's the Bible. Somewhere in the long line, we're having a disconnect with the Bible. Okay? We're having a disconnect. Because Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. And if you will do it, I'll back it up. 
I will do supernatural things that you can't do. But you can, you, every person in this room, can preach the gospel, speak the Word of God. There's not one person in this room that cannot. You can do this. But there's not one person in this room that can do anything supernatural. Okay? But God can do. And He will do that with us. He will help us with these things. Now, um, this is what I want you to see. Several years ago, I met a guy who was a third... At that time, he had been in the Marine Corps for 13 years. He was what they call a combat engineer. That was his job. He was a sergeant. So he was a pretty significant, well-trained Marine. And, and his job was to, in, in a battlefield situation, to direct soldiers under him to, to engage in the battle. That was, he was a combat engineer. I thought, man, combat engineer? Cool. That's what I should have been. Okay? Well, this guy, uh, in the... In the process of, of his training, blew a disc in his neck. Okay, blew a disc in his neck, so he had to have surgery. And of course, he did it, and the Marine Corps took care of him. But one of the things he was very concerned about was he was feeling like he was going to get discharged from the Marines over this disc being blown out of his neck. And I was talking to him about it, and I said, "Well, heck, there's other jobs in the Marines besides being combat engineers, aren't they? I mean, aren't there, you know, people who work in motor pools or?" And this is what he said to me. He said something. He said, every Marine, every Marine, no matter what their job is, has to be combat ready. No Marine, there's no Marine that's employed in the Marine Corps. They have to be able to fight. They have to be or they can't be in the Marines. And guess what happened to this guy? He got a medical discharge because the Marine Corps determined you're not combat ready and you will never be combat ready. And even though you know a lot and you're a great guy and we would love to keep you or you were a great soldier, you're useless to us. Okay? And they discharged him. And, and this is what I want to say to you. That's the way God's army is. And I think this is something we're missing as Christians. God has called us to be combat ready all the time. All the time. We are never in a position when we can't be at a moment's notice engaged in combat. And see, we're not, we don't think that way. We, we, we quit thinking that way somewhere along the line in America and maybe in other places. But I know this, in America, we just don't think that way. So first of all, I want you to see, it says go. All right, it says go in all the world. Literally, that word go, and, you can, and it's the same thing in Matthew 28. It's the same thing in many places where Jesus said go. Literally, in the Greek, it does not just say go. It says as you go, preach the gospel. And that's one of the things that we have fallen into a trap. We think we are to go on special things. Let's go to a special mission trip somewhere, and when we do that, then we will engage in the gospel ministry. Okay? And that's, that's a part of it. That's true. That's part of being a Christian. We all should go on special missions. But that is not what the Great Commission says. It says, as you go. In other words, as a part of your life. It's just not some special time, you know, when you take two weeks from work and go to another country. Or it's not just a special time when you, the church gathers to go do a local outreach at Lee Park. The Bible tells us as you go in your life, as you live your life, preach the gospel. That's being combat ready. That's being always ready. And that's what the Lord said to do. He said to do this. He didn't say, think about doing it. He said, this is what you are to do with your life. And I think old George back there who was a Marine, I was seeing him sitting there. I guarantee you when the Marines gave an order, you didn't question it because you knew what would happen if you had, a, had half good sense. 
Isn't that right, George? <laughs> you didn't mess with those guys. All right, second of all, this is what it said. All right, it said this. It said, as you go, get Byron or get Billy Graham or get your favorite preacher, T.D. Jakes and T.D. to preach the gospel. Right? That's what it said, right? No, it didn't say that. It says, as you go, preach the gospel. No, it says, as you go, you, you preach. And see, here's what we've got to see this morning. Everybody in this room is called to be a preacher. Every one of you are preachers. We have had this myth that we think preachers are people who stand up on Sunday mornings and try to do what I'm doing, or somebody like Billy Graham or some profound evangelist person stands up in stadiums and large venues and gets up and declares the Word. That's a lie. It's not true. It's a myth. Now, that is true that God has given certain people like Billy Graham and people like they call pastors. Not all of them are really pastors, but they stand in front of churches and preach to them. That is true. That is a true expression of preaching. But it's not the only expression. In fact, it's the minor expression. You're called to preach. Are you all with me? Keith Green said this one time, and it was almost right. He just didn't have a quite... I'm, I'm going to update what... Keith, Keith Green said, we need to have an excuse not to go. Okay? Really what he should have said is, we need to have an excuse not to preach. In other words, I don't think he used the word excuse. I think he said, we need to have a word to not go. In other words, God said go. You need to get a word not to go. Well, you're going to go as you go. Everybody in this room is going to get up and go somewhere. You're going to go to the grocery store tomorrow. You're going to go to work tomorrow. You're going to, you know, do something tomorrow. You're going to deal with your family. You're going to deal with, with people tomorrow as you go. So really what I can update Keith's word and say this. You, sitting here this morning, you need a word from the Lord to not preach the gospel. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Because God has given us a word to preach. And unless He tells you not to, like He will, there are times when He'll say no. Like the Apostle Paul wanted to preach the gospel in Asia, says it very clear, and, and, and he said, the Holy Spirit said No. You're not preaching the gospel here right now. I've got somewhere else for you to go. We're not discarding being led by the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to tell us not to do it. In other words, Lord, that waiter, am I to, am I to witness him? No, don't say a word to that man right now. I've been working on him in another way. You just mess it up. You know, you're too dumb to right now. He ain't going to listen to you. He's got tattoos all over him. He needs a tattoo soldier to speak to him. You know? So we need to notice. Let me uh, read 1 Corinthians 1.21. Uh, are y'all with me? All right, so we're talking about finding ourselves in the Bible. And we're talking about finding out what we're supposed to do. We're talking about a key to the supernatural, getting into the supernatural acts of God, and just doing what the Lord's told us to do. All right, now, this is what Paul said. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The foolishness of the message. All right, listen to this, okay? Listen to this. The message, you know, it said there, preach the gospel in, in Mark. Jesus, originally, his original word was preach the kingdom of God. Everything else that's talked about in the Bible where it talks about something being preached falls under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. It talks about preach Christ. Preach Christ and Him crucified. Preach the cross. Preach the Word. All those things fit into the kingdom of God. God's called us to preach the kingdom. That's the message. Think about this message. That message got Jesus killed. 
It got him murdered. God was behind it. That was the message. That message, the Bible says, when the, in the people in the book of Acts, they said, these people, this message has turned the world upside down. The message did. It was just a simple message that did all that. Paul stood before the you know, emperor of the world, the Roman Empire, because of his message and proclaimed just a message. That's how powerful the message is. The message is like the bullets in the gun. It's powerful. It does its job. The problem is we're the guns and we're not loud. We God has given us something and we're sitting on it. We're sitting on the message. We're not exploding the message. And the message will do it if he has a gun to be in. But most of us don't believe that. We're sitting here. We're just listening to other people say stuff and do stuff. But we never, as we go, take it. Because it seems foolish to us. We're embarrassed or we're messed up or we're crazy. You hear what I'm saying to you? Whatever our reasons are. But God has called us to preach this message. And we say we want to be supernatural. That's the way into it. Because God doesn't care about the other stuff. He cares about His message. That's why I like the Message Bible. It's the message. I thought, wow, they got the best name of anybody I've ever heard. It's called the message. So I'm excited about this. I hope I'm not offending you, but if you're offended, that's your problem. You know, we've got to get this thing. I believe it's the key for us of what God has for us is to go back to what the Bible says we are supposed to do. In other words, we seek the supernatural. Let's go after the message and let the supernatural come to us. That's really what the Bible says. It'll come to you. If you really want to be a supernatural Christian, which you should be. Um, anyway, so we're not going to talk too much more about the message. I want to talk about the preacher. Okay? The preacher's like the gun. You're a gun in God's army, God's arsenal. Are you available for God to put you and slam his message into you? Which I think he already has. You know, do the gun thing and shoot. Aim it where he wants it. So I want to talk about the gun a little bit. Um, huh, I didn't really have a whole lot of that plan. One thing I don't do is I don't plan emotion. Okay? I don't plan to be emotional about anything. In fact, I was worried about preaching this. Like, man, this seems so... Cut, so cut and dry, Lord. I mean, can there be any passion in this? But <laughs> So what is a preacher? Again, I want to say it's a myth, it's a lie to think I'm just the only preacher in this room. Or you may be a preacher wishing you could just come out here. Don't do that. I tell you, don't do that. I may not even, if I'd known this when I got in the ministry, I may not even do, be doing this today. I just, I just, and I'll explain it to you. I just felt like God had something He wanted to put in me to say, and I went after that. I never considered myself to be a preacher until now. And I've realized I'm a preacher. I'm not a preacher because I'm standing here preaching to you. I'm a preacher because I'm a Christian. And God's called me to preach. And it just so happens this is a venue that God's given me to preach in. Okay? But I have other venues, like my home, my family. Uh, you know, I don't have a secular job anymore, so I can't do that. But in the grocery store, wherever I find myself, those can be venues for me too. And that may be your only venues, but it's not a bad thing because there are the people that need to hear it. You need to hear less of this. You need to just be encouraged to do it. I've only taken up too much time, I think. 
All right, anyway, let me just, uh, I was reading this article about preaching, trying to research this a little bit. Because really, I was just trying to find out, honestly, if you want to know the honest truth, just find out, Lord, what, I really do want to do what Paul did. I really do want Christ to be revealed in me. I really do want to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. I want to do that. How do you do it? How, how do you really do that? What's some practical things the Bible tells us? And this is what he told me to read. I read this and thought, well, that's pretty, pretty clear. Now, what does being a preacher mean? A preacher comes from the Greek word kurosis. It sounds like a skin disease, but it's not. <laughs> now, this is Greek, okay? Uh, it means to proclaim, to declare, to announce, or to herald a message. It was the message proclaimed by the Kurox. And that's what you are today. You're the Kurox. You're a Kurox, which in the Greek means preacher. Okay? Who was the official spokesman or herald of a king. Official spokesman or herald of a king. Because the Kurox was the appointed official representative of the king or government, his specific job, your specific job, my specific job, was to announce with a clear, unquestionable voice the desires, dictates, orders, recent events, news, policy changes, or message that the king or government wished to express to the people. That was his job. Okay? Sounds, wow, that's what a preacher is. Okay? Then it goes on and says, the position of the curex, listen to this. I want you to get this, because this to me is the thing that gets you in the door or won't make, it, make your emotions catch up with this. The position of the curex was viewed to be the highest and most noble privileged position in the kingdom because his position gave him routine access to the king that was afforded only to rare individuals. And if there was one thing that got me into the ministry was that, is I thought I could get close to God. The deception I had is I could already get close to, close to God because I was already, already a rare individual appointed by God. That's what God wants to tell you. That's the first thing I want you to get this morning. If you don't get it, you need to see yourself. See yourself as a rare individual, a representative of Jesus Christ. You've got to see yourself as His representative. Okay? And you need to see this as the highest, most noble, privileged position in the kingdom. That's right. Kingdom of priests. We're to represent Jesus Christ to those around us. Now, that is a high calling. And see, how many of us in this room really think that way? I mean, honestly. Honestly, be honest with yourself. Do you see being a preacher as being a very high and noble calling, the highest calling? Well, that's when, when, Pop, when Jesus said, preach the gospel, that's what he was saying. I've given you the highest most noble calling there is that you would represent me. Okay? So that's the one thing. Second thing is, set your affections on things above. That's Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. So shall spiritual things be your delight and not your burden. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Ask, be real with yourself. Are spiritual things a burden to you? I mean, honestly, is reading the Bible a difficulty? Is it something you have to do? I mean, just get real. 
let me just say this. If that's the truth, if spiritual things are not a joy, if they're not a passion, if you don't see them as something that's wonderful, that's the most privileged thing that God has given us, then you need to get help. You need to call somebody and say, I need help because Christianity is a boring, burdensome thing to me and I need some help with it because I don't think that's the way God wants me to see who I really am. Get help is what I'm telling you. Get help with your life if Christianity is a burden to you. If spiritual things are a burden to you. I'm saying Christianity and spiritual are the same. There's religion. I ain't talking about religion this morning. I'm talking about being really, truly Christian, truly spiritual, truly a, 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 a preacher in God's kingdom. Now, really the truth is, ask yourself the question. Ask yourself the question. If it is, get help. That's, that's my answer. Get help, whatever it takes. All right, you must not only seek first His kingdom, but also His righteousness. Your life is to be a witness. Your life needs to be consistent with the message. In other words, take care of your gun. Don't leave your gun out in the rain to rust. Don't let the world rust your gun. Don't let, you know, when you shoot your gun, clean it. Get the residue off of it. You hear what I'm saying to you? Is God cares about character. He cares about integrity. He cares about those things. That's why they're in the Bible. That's why they're fruit of the Spirit's important. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Those are things that are important to God. He wants His guns to be in great working order. He don't want them jammed up with the mud of the world and trash. You see, a lot of us, we walk around, we stuck our gun in the mud like a soldier and get ready to shoot. It's going to blow the barrel out and into your face. We wonder why it doesn't work. A lot of it has to do with our nature, our character, that we've not allowed His character to be developed and formed through us. So that's important for us. There's nothing worse than hypocrites. People hate hypocrites. It's the truth. And I, that's why I used to couldn't stand Christianity. I thought it was all hypocrites. Like, God, these people... I'd go to church as a little boy and sit in there and see these people do the week, and they were hypocrites. They, it's not real. Why should I go here? This is not real. That's what I kept telling my parents. I don't want to go to church. This is just... It's not real. It's because it was hypocritical. All right, listen to this. I'm almost through. As important as it was for the Curex to accurately understand and communicate the king's message, it was equally his responsibility to capture and convey the sentiment, heart, and emotions of the king on various issues. The sentiment, the emotions. That's why there's emotional preachers. They've caught some emotion of God. They felt God's heart about something. And there are fake emotions, I'll admit that. But sometimes people get emotional about things. It's because they have felt the emotions of God and they're trying to say to people, this is important, God feels emotional about this. And I'm here to tell you today, God feels emotional about what I'm saying to you. He feels emotions. He said, preach the Word, preach the Gospel. I feel something about this. This is your answer for your world. This is your answer for the supernatural. He feels this. And it was the preacher's responsibility to not only catch his words like, let's just, you know, preach a message and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, God could do that. I'm not saying He didn't. He does. But there's these other parts of God. His feelings, His heart. The, the Curex was, was, had to be in the presence of the king to catch his feelings. He could hear the words, but I've got to get, this is important to him. He wants me to really drive this point home. 
And you can only get that by being in His presence. You can't get it by listening to somebody else or doing something else. You get the feelings of God by being with God. Spend time. So I'm telling you, as one person said, be much with God in secret, so shall God will be with you in public. You're going to have to be with God to catch how God feels about what God's telling you to say. Be with Him. And don't make religion. It's not, I'm not talking about religion. That's how you... That's how you really know where to shoot the thing at. That's where you know how to really pull it, when to pull the trigger. It's like when you're saying, oh, I feel something about that person. You know, I feel something. The Lord wants to talk to that person. I feel something. Or you just may, I'm going to talk. And if God, if you, and you, you said go, I'm going until you tell me to stop. You know? That's a good way of doing it, I think. God's already said go. I'm just going to keep going. Oh, don't, Byron, don't do it. Just hang on here, bud. Go over there. That's really a better way. Just keep doing what he's told you to do. All right, here's a good one. This is practical. I'm almost through. Please all men as long as you are consistent with the truth. Let me say that one more time. Please all men. That's something we say. Well, you can't be a man pleaser. I'm saying this. And these are a couple things I learned in being a pastor. Please all men as long as it is consistent with the truth. That means you are pleasing them. We have something we call the golden rule. Right? Doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. Well, after lots of talking to people and counseling people, I, Becky and I have figured out you don't want people just to hear something, the truth. You want them to receive the truth. So you figure out a way of saying something to them that they can receive it. Instead of just going up and just hitting them with a hammer, okay, they may need to be kissed with the truth. Okay? So you kiss them with the truth instead of hitting them with the hammer with the truth. They may come a time when they need the hammer. You need to know. Well, it's hammer time, baby. You know? And that's what you do. Don't wound the truth to please anybody. Never compromise the truth. Never. You just find a way of saying the truth. That's what Jesus did. Go read the book of Revelation. He taught all these churches. He, he was... God had something hard to say to several of them. Five of them. See, I, he said good things to most of them first. He wasn't just trying to buffer them or set them up. He was just trying to get them in a place where they could hear the real truth that he wanted to get to their hearts. So we need to learn how to do that with people. Uh, put up Colossians 4, 5, Drew. Colossians 4, 5 is a great verse. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. That's, that's a great way. That's a great verse to take when we're talking about preaching the gospel to unbelievers. Be wise towards them. Look at them. Hear what the Spirit's saying. Figure out a way. Don't humiliate them. You go in a store and, and there's somebody in there you want to pray for. You don't have to make a show out where they feel embarrassed in front of their uh, fellow employees or whatever. You say, well, look, I'd like to pray for you about this. We can act like we're talking about this can of beans. You know, I'll hold the can of beans in your hand. I'll just put my hand on your shoulder and we'll pray for you. You know, they're not embarrassed. They've not lost face. And you was able to pray for them and ask God to do something for them. I'm spitting. <laughs> That's not being very wise. <clears throat> Anyways, number six, this is a great one here. Number six, it says argue, and I'm saying argue, because you will have disagreements with people. There's a place to argue. Argue coolly. In other words, don't get mad in the heat. Argue coolly and from your conscience and from your heart. You're going to have disagreements with it. I learned this with people in the church. I think disagreements are healthy as long as you argue coolly and from your conscience. Not to win the argument. 
Your job is not to win any argument. You just stick with what the truth you know, and it says, let your conversation always be full of grace. Season with salt. That's a way to talk to people you have disagreements with. You can argue with them, but do it coolly, do it from your conscience, and don't try to win the argument. Okay? Don't get caught up in the heat of the moment. You know, it's easy to do that. Uh, it's easier to do it for other Christians than these people in the world, actually, I've found. Okay? So that you might know how to answer everyone. Everyone. God's got a word for everybody. God has a message for everybody. So, <clears throat> that's the message. And this morning, you know, what we wanted to do is first I want to ask a question. Is how many in this room feel like they have a preaching, calling, anointing to preach on their life right now? Raise your hand. All right. Those of you who raise your hand, come up here right now. See, what we have just done is we have a ministry team. Okay? A preachers. I'm a big believer in freely out. And I don't know somebody. I'm just going to trust you. you. Don't do something weird. Don't, don't just, just stick with what I'm telling you. Okay, we're going to pray for people. Turn around here. You're the prayers. Y'all who raise your hand, you're going to pray. You're the prayers. You're not a prayees. Now, I want to ask the rest of you in this room, this morning, this is what I'm saying to you. If God's speaking to you, God has given you a message. He's given you the ammo. He's saying to you this morning, I want you to use that ammo. I want you to load that thing in there, and I want you to be ready. I want you to be combat ready. I want you to become a preacher. And if you feel like God is speaking to you to become a preacher, I don't care if you say, well, I think I'm supposed to be the preacher at River Life Fellowship. Get up here. I'm serious. Or you're just supposed to go out and preach, you know, in the grocery store, wherever you're at. You go and preach the message that you have. If you feel like God's called you to that, we want these people to lay hands on you. They say they're preachers. I don't know if they are. Some of them are. Probably most of them are. You come out here and let them lay hands on you and give you the gift of preaching. Just say, I'm going to pray. God's given me some ability to communicate. I'm going to release it to you. I'm going to encourage you. That's what y'all are doing, right? You're not trying to preach your doctrine. You're just going to release a passion and a desire in people to be ministers of the gospel to, as they go. So y'all come on up right now. Everybody who wants this, come on if you want it. Don't sit there like a bunch of dang dodos. Get up here. Get up here and obey the Lord. I mean, get some help. I mean, seriously. He said, go as you go. Get up here and get positioned to be helped, that you be used of God to do what He's called you to do. And if anybody does anything weird to you, tell me and I'll fuss at them. You know, as they're praying, as they're praying, everybody else can be, be dismissed. Lord, we ask you to make us ready, combat ready, every one of us, to preach the gospel, to preach the truth, to preach, Lord. Help us to see, see ourselves as preachers, Lord.